Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good. We're only going to be on this part of the show for about five minutes as we had. We just recorded fantastic uh, content with guest Matt VC talking all things Phillies, uh, LJ. I'd say that we 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 got quite the rundown on the Phillies so far this year. Oh, we got it all. It's a very again exciting stuff for this team. You know, you've, they've got really a uh, so much so much there. I mean, we've talked about it before. So many fun guys to watch. Three, four major stars on that offense alone, and then you go into a lot of more other fun stuff between Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, and even like some of these guys in the outfield who are uh, just fun names and fun people to watch, but they certainly haven't lived up to their amount of fun in terms of a win loss record. So they're, they're one of the more interesting cases I think right now in major league baseball, where they go, what they're going to do to get back to this point that they should be at. And we talked a little bit about that with Matt again, fantastic twitter follow at phillies bell if you're looking for it and you're looking to scroll through his feed while you listen to him talk it's definitely a great idea absolutely well lj we are recording this intro because 
There's some stuff that we got to talk about that happened in Tuesday night's games. First, um, let's start with LJ's Red Sox here. As they manage, uh, in their ace, Nathan Avaldi manages to give up five home runs in the second inning. The first time in Astros history that they hit five home runs in an, in an inning. And I believe that this is the first time an MLB team has hit five home runs in an inning since the Yankees did it in August of 2020. Um, LJ, I'm assuming you watched, um, you were still watching the game at that point. Um, no, I didn't actually have the game on last night. Oh, beautiful. So I, you didn't even I, get to, to witness this. No, because I was a little, I was tied up with some stuff and then, I got back home and I saw Raphael Devers went yard in the first. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Back-to-back games. We're undefeated in the last 24 hours. This is about to get good. Get distracted for another 10 minutes. Next thing you know, balls are flying out of the yard left and right. And I'm just like, it's it, it, it's not worth my mental health to try to view this game right now. Because they just – it's – it's rough. You know, I don't even hate this team. I hate myself for loving this team at this point. Well, Jordan Alvarez goes deep, followed by, I believe it was Kyle Tucker. Or no, it was Jeremy Pena, then Michael Brantley, then Yuli Gurriel, and then uh, Tucker got one in there. Tucker then next at bat comes up and hits a grand slam. He's having himself quite... He had himself quite the night um, to kind of uh, pick up what was a bit of a lackluster season. But Jordan Alvarez, that like, that was his 12th homer of the year. Um, just the biggest steal ever in our fantasy league, LJ. I mean, I, I cannot believe that, that I got him for whatever it was in the auction. Such a small amount. Um, well, yeah, it's also because, again, you're not going to see those a few years from now. Once we've had everyone's had multiple years of auction drafting we're going to be talking very differently about it all because um it's the word word i'm looking for oh we're all going to know what's going on also i feel like people are genuinely terrified of dhs in fantasy just because you can only put them at the utility spot and it's like what makes them any different than a catcher you know nothing it's just Nothing. the anti-catcher. It's just it's it's the same it's the same thing. You can only put him at one spot. All right. Well, catcher you can also put a utility, but it's not that much of a difference. Like, you know, what if you got my boy Dalton Varsho, center field and catcher this year for the Diamondbacks? He, does he actually have both qualified? Yeah. No, he plays both positions like on the regular for the Diamondbacks, especially now that that a Carson Kelly's out. He's been catching a lot for the Diamondbacks. Um, but the other story we wanted to talk about, uh, Daniel Vogelback, LJ, LJ wants to talk about a Daniel Vogelback. I don't want to talk about, you can, you, you can get your, your 20 seconds right now on a Daniel Vogelback very quick. I need 10 triples are stupid. Daniel Vogelback hit a triple. You should stop caring about the stat. Listen to my full rant a couple weeks ago on this. Daniel Vogelback weighing in at 270 pounds. Um, 
and he gets a triple at Wrigley Field last night. However, the biggest story coming out of Wrigley last night was Christopher Morrell, who is making his MLB debut. He's 22 years old, LJ. He pinch hits in a blowout game. They're up 6 nothing in the bottom of the 8th. Pinch hits for Patrick Wisdom. First career at bat. Wilson Contreras banging on the dugout. Getting everyone hype. Getting everybody into it. He drills a ball into the uh, deep into the night into left field. Home run. First career at bat for Christopher Morel. Uh, you love to see something like that. Uh, you know, as a baseball fan, it just makes you smile. This guy, regardless of, you know, that he is 22 and still young, especially or on the younger side of a debut, I mean, you're literally never going to forget that ever, ever. Like, that is something that, you know, you work, you grind so hard to get to the big leagues and you get there and it's like, oh, this is pretty easy, huh? Home run, first career at bat. Oh, you're happy as a rookie with like a little bloop single past the first baseman. Like your first hit is such a big deal. And then to get it as a home run, look, we're going to be talking in the next couple of weeks. Maybe I hope he stays hot like this because a little Chrissy chaos in Chi town. I mean, Chrissy chaos. I love it. Chrissy chaos in Chi town. And I, I, I just feel like this is the type of story that well, sports fans go nuts for particularly Chicago sports fans will die for. It's great. Oh yeah. Um well, LJ, any other notable results, anything you want to talk about yesterday? Jose no, Barrios no. pitched really good against the Mariners. Finally. Uh, finally, the Brewers offense couldn't do much against the Braves. They this this Braves a bullpen is back. Um Minter, Will Smith, Kenley Jansen, Colin McHughes looked really good. Uh, that's good. LJ, the one game I'm interested in watching today, it's actually about, it's about to start in about 15 minutes. We got ourselves a battle. Um, we've got Corbin Burns versus Max Freed uh, about to start. Very excited for that. Um, another big slate of games today. Lots of double headers the last few days. Um, love it. But... I think that's it, LJ. Yeah, you got anything? I'll wrap it up. We're going to turn this over to our interview with Sir Matt Vesey of Philly's Bell. Welcome back. And we are here with Matt Vesey from at Philly's Bell, one of the bigger Phillies, Philadelphia Phillies uh, Twitter accounts out there. Matt, how you doing? Good. How you fellas doing today? Fantastic. Very excited to have this conversation. We're just going to jump right in on this team. What were your thoughts on this uh, Phillies team at the start of the season and how have they changed? Uh, Coming in, I I was pretty sure that this was going to be a postseason team or at the very least, a postseason contender. Uh, To this point, they're on the fringe of that. Uh, They seem to be right where they've been the last two, three, four years, kind of treading water right around that 500 mark. Can't really make a push uh, to get much over it. And uh, it's been disappointing so far. And uh, it's been disappointing in ways that I think that we didn't expect. Uh, The starting pitching is held up for the most part. There have been some injuries. Uh, A couple of guys have stumbled here and there. 
but the, the starting pitching hasn't been a problem uh, for the most part. The offense, uh, they, they signed Nick Castellanos coming in, Kyle Schwarber coming in. You had Bryce Harper returning as the MVP. So uh, a lot of people felt like and still feel like they have uh, one of the best, if not the best all-around catcher in the game in JT Real Muto. I mean, there's a lot of things I like about this team from an offensive standpoint. Uh, Reese Hoskins has a lot of power. He's a 35-40 homer guy over a 162 if he's healthy. Uh, Gene Segura is a, a producer at second base. So there, there was a lot of reason to be, uh, uh, to have those positive feelings of this team being a contender coming in. But the biggest thing that this team has stumbled on, and the, re, the really the only reason that they've missed the postseason the last two years has been the performance of their bullpen. No matter what player they sign no matter what veteran reliever they bring in no matter how much success that relievers had in the past it seems like they get here and they implode or they just can't equal their career numbers and performance so that's been the case again this year uh, there have been a number of times where the bullpen has just blown games and it's kept them from uh, being a winning team uh, from from pushing towards the top where the Mets are in the division uh, separating themselves from the middle of the pack in this division and the National League. Uh, just on Sunday, Sunday's a microcosm. They had won the first three games in, out in Los Angeles, which was fantastic against the Dodgers. They were one strike away from a four-game sweep at the Dodgers and a winning record, and the bullpen blew it. Uh, now they're you know back to they didn't hit last night, which could happen on any given night. So, but now that they're, they're two games under 500 again, and it's just it's very frustrating i think uh, for the fan base you can hear it you can see it on social media um so i the, what's the difference from the coming in and where we are now is uh, uh i i don't think there's a lot of difference it's just that it's I, I think that right now i expected them to be maybe three or four games over 500 rather than two games under uh which extrapolated over a full season would lead to them being maybe 15, 16 over 500 and a postseason team. And we're just not there yet because I believe for the most part, uh, the same old bullpen, bullpen struggles. Now, where exactly do you point for those bullpen struggles? And do you see that section, that issue being something that can be taken care of rather quickly? Well, I don't know that it can be taken care of quickly because then you're talking about, you know, I mean, you'd have to, at this point, to bring in anybody who would be, uh, make a major difference, it would probably have to be by trade. Uh, you're not going to find anybody out there on the free agent wire at this point that's going to make a measurable difference, I don't believe. So uh, guys just have to start performing. Uh, who's underperforming? If you want to point fingers, uh, Yuri's Familia has been really terrible. Uh, he, he has a history of success. If you look at his career with the, with the Mets, but so far he's got one whip. He's got a 260 batting average against um, a young guy, James Norwood, that, that uh, Girardi's been given a lot of uh, opportunities to. He's got a 256 batting average against Jose Alvarado, who can be lights out one game and, crazy bad the next game has allowed 12 hits over nine and two third innings eight runs he's got a 1.86 whip a 300 batting average against and these are you know uh, alvarado 
uh, Familia. These are veteran guys with a track record that the Phillies expected would be at the very least their number two right-hander and number two left-hander out of the bullpen coming in. They signed Corey Knable to be their closer. He's been up and down as well. Uh, 1.27 whip, a 236 batting average against. I mean, he hasn't been bad, but he's had a couple of blow-ups. Uh, I think that the, the, a good sign, a positive sign from the bullpen has been Sir Anthony Dominguez, who returned. He's missed a lot of time the last couple of years with injury and surgery, but uh, he's been pretty good. So uh, that's one good thing. Um, and Brad Hand, uh, he was the left-hander that they signed, big left-hander. Again, another guy that's been hot and cold. He's got a 1.50 whip, even though he only has a 200 batting average against. It's just the occasional, you know, blow up in his in his appearances. So it's just that they they can't get consistent um, positive production when they turn to the bullpen. You just don't know what you're going to get and. When you're dealing with veterans, uh, Knable, Familia, um, Alvarado, Hand, you know, these are two righties, two lefties, and you expect that, you know, these are the guys they got to lean on, and it's just not happening so far. I don't see an answer other than, I don't think Girardi has much chance, choice other than to keep running them out there and hope that these guys, that, that, the, that the good outweighs the bad at some point. Now, how do you feel Dave Dombrowski in the front office really plays into these problems? Uh, I've been, uh, I was, I was very, uh, I accepted Dombrowski's uh, arrival in a very positive way. I was not a big fan of Andy McPhail, who was here for, uh, for too long, I believe, before that. I nicknamed him Andy McFailure. And uh, the organization just appeared to be going nowhere under him. And Dombrowski, I, I really respect Dombrowski, uh, where McPhail hadn't had a real uh, anything to lean on as far as uh, winning or positive, um, uh, bringing anything positive contribution-wise to an organization in a couple of decades. Dombrowski has had some relative recent success and with multiple organizations. So... Uh, I like Dombrowski and I'm still willing to give him, you know, the benefit of the doubt. I mean, you're, you're dealing with, you're coming off of COVID. Uh, that whole situation was wacky. So it takes some time to figure things out. Uh, he made a, made a couple big, you know, signings that brought more uh, alleged uh, so far. Castellanos has been everything that they hoped he would be. Schwarber's been Schwarber's driven in runs, but otherwise he really hasn't uh, been a consistent threat. So it's uh, he's he's made some positive moves, but he hasn't addressed a couple of major issues yet. Which uh, one the one glaring weakness in this organization um, from a position player standpoint is center field. Phillies haven't had a real reliable center fielder since Shane Victorino. So we're going back on. Um, they've tried Odubel Herrera out there forever and Herrera uh, was pretty good his rookie year. Uh, but really since then, it's been a steady, if you look at his every statistic and we watch him do it every single day uh, on the field, but statistics, just look at the back of his baseball card. I mean, he's been going downhill pretty much every year. Uh, he is not the answer. They they pretty much brought him back this year because they didn't have any other options. There were no other options available to them. Probably the best one that, that they had available to them. 
Uh, Mickey Moniak, who was the number one draft pick in, in baseball at 2016 or 2015, I believe it was. Uh, he just has not panned out. He finally looked like he was breaking out uh, during spring training. Year. He had a fantastic spring training. And uh, myself and a lot of the fan base were excited to see what he could do. Uh, if he could carry that into the regular season and finally produce for the team. And what happens when he breaks his hand on the, in the last game of spring training? So that's kind of been like a, here we go. You know, it's kind of like what we expect here in Philadelphia. We can't have good things. So, you know, Moniak supposedly on his way back. Um, hopefully he can recapture that mojo that he had in March uh, down in Clearwater when he does return. But that might, you know, that might be asking for a lot. Uh, they drafted Adam Hazley very high, another first-round top-10 draft pick, a center fielder uh, right after Moniak. Hazley didn't pan out. He ended up getting traded to the White Sox uh, back in spring training. So uh, center field is really uh, – uh, there, there was a lot of talk coming in uh, that they, they, you know, they might have had the answer uh, this year uh, as far as giving Matt Veerling time. But Veer, you know, Veerling, there were there were some people who were looking at his like hard hit rate coming in and things like that. But Veerling was really unproven, and when he was given time at the start of this year, he didn't produce. He ends up getting sent down to the minor league. So uh, Roman Quinn is a guy that they've had forever in center field. Quinn has, I was a big, I've always been a big Roman Quinn fan. He's got tremendous talent and he's, he's got lightning speed. He's one of the fastest guys in baseball, but you can't use speed. Uh, and his speed is a legitimate weapon. You can't use that weapon if you're not on the field. And Roman Quinn is as habitually injured as any player in baseball. So, um, you, you can't count on Quinn because you're just waiting for, you know, when's he going to sprain something, twist something, tear something, you know, his next injury. Uh, so center field is just a, a black hole, you know, if you will, for this team right now. And uh, it, it's a problem. Uh, Dombrowski, I don't, I don't really know what the answer is because I, as, as a student of the game, a fan of the game, I look around at everything. I mean, I, I'm very involved in fantasy baseball, so I'm looking at guys who are available, who's producing, who's out there, and uh, there just aren't there aren't guys available. Uh, if you look at, I don't know who he could. There's nobody he could sign. Uh, if you look at people who he could trade for, uh, guys who are available. They, they they really don't have a big history of offensive production, so I, I really don't know where the team could turn. Uh, I, I don't have any problem with Dombrowski to this point. He just there there, while he has done some positives, he hasn't answered a couple of big uh, that I think are gaping questions, and and the biggest ones are the bullpen and center field. So you know you were talking a little bit about. Uh, Schwarber and Castellanos, who were the two big additions for the Phillies this offseason. Um, but LJ and I talked a lot about this on this show and how they both have their um, deficiencies, I guess is the word, when it comes to their, their defensive play. We know that the Phillies last year certainly struggled on the defensive side of the ball. And so far this year... They rank in the bottom five and um, outs above average for for a team. Um, what has been your overall thoughts on the the defense? And you know, are these problems that we hear about with the the Phillies defense really as bad as um, as we're hearing, or as we think? 
Yes, they are. <laughs> they're a bad defensive team. Now, you know, they're, they're professionals, you know, and, and, uh, but, but I'm, I'm a big, I think defense is important. Uh, defense is very important in October, I believe. Uh, I, I've been watching the Phillies since I was nine years old in 1971. So I've been watching this team for a half a century now. And so you're talking about, I got to see uh, the, the team during the 70s that was really good, that won the 1980 World Championship. I got to see uh, that team build and I got to see them play. And they were fantastic, by, especially by 1980. They were a fantastic defensive team. Uh, this was a team that had uh, Mike Schmidt at third base, multiple gold glove winner, Larry Boa at shortstop, Manny Trio at second base, Gary Maddox in center field. These were multiple gold glove, Bob Boone behind the plate, all of the multiple gold glove winners. Um, the two, two, 2008 team, same thing. Uh, they were building towards that, and they were a fantastic defensive team. They could bash the ball. Both of those teams could, and so a lot of team, a lot of people don't give them as much credit as they should defensively. But uh, Chase Utley, he was not a Gold Glover, but he was a really good defensive player and a very smart baseball player. You watched him every day. Uh, there, there may have been other guys who were around who were flashier who won the Gold Gloves, but Utley was a was a really strong defensive player. Uh, Jimmy Rollins, multiple Gold Glove winner. Uh, Pedro Feliz was a fantastic defender. Shane Victorino, multiple Gold Glove winner. Uh, Jay Jason Worth was a strong defender. Carlos Ruiz was a strong, this was a strong defensive team. So, uh, you know, this is what I compare, you know, teams that need to win uh, in Philadelphia too. And these Phillies are not strong defensively in any way. Um, Reese Hoskins at first base is a weak defender. Uh, Alec Bohm at third base so far, at least has been a weak defender. Um, uh, Segura is okay at second base. I, I kind of look at him as the way I looked at Utley. You know, he Segura's a smart player. He makes good plays. He, he's not going to win gold gloves, but he is a good ball player. So I don't have a problem with him. But uh, uh, Real Muto is obviously a gold glover behind the plate. That's probably the one place where they do have strength. Um, Bryce Harper, since he arrived, has been fantastic in right field. I don't know if anyone's ever going to give him a gold glove. But he, he was deserving of it, or at least deserving of strong consideration. I believe he might have even been one of the finalists in right field uh, in 2019 or 2020 or 2021. One of those years, he was a finalist. So um, seeing him every day, he's been much better defensively than I imagined he was going to be. Uh, unfortunately, he's injured right now. But what the Phillies are doing right now is they're, they're playing with, for the most part, Kyle Schwarber in left field, Castellanos in right field every day, and all, all the questions that I discussed with you earlier at center field, weakness on the corners in the infield, uh, and even shortstop is unsettled. D.D. Gregorius is not the defender that he was when he was younger. He's had injury problems the last couple of years, and now he's come just about to come back from injury. They're kind of in a transition there because Bryson Stott is, uh, we hope that he's the the shortstop of the future for my liking i'd rather he be the shortstop of the present and keep dd's bat on the bench and maybe try to trade him but uh, i think stott should be playing every day now and i like stott as a defender but we're not going to know really how good he is until we get a chance to see him play more uh, i think he's going to be above average uh, defender if he gets a chance to play anywhere in the infield but uh there there's except for real muto and harper when he's healthy in right field they're 
they're they're weak almost everywhere defensively or nothing better than MLB average. And that's going to add up to the numbers that you're talking about. Bottom five, you know, defensively in baseball. So uh, the coming into the coming into the season, everybody here in Philly was realistic. Uh, this is going to be a team that bashed their way and hopefully pitched their way into the postseason. Defense is what they were going to have to overcome in order to make the postseason. Uh, and I still think that they can. Uh, I, I think that they're, they can be I think being in the bottom third uh, defensively, because I think that when they're all healthy, their offense is that strong most games and their starting pitching has been strong. They, to me, it's still going to be, uh, I'd rather see, you know, two, three or four gold glovers out there as, as I've seen in previous Philly championships. But right now, uh, the way that this team is made up, it, that's not going to happen overnight. I think they can still make the postseason, but it's going to take figuring out that more than anything to me, it's figuring out that bullpen. Now let's jump into Bryson Stott was actually exactly where I wanted to go next. Uh, as you mentioned him at the end there, really, what do you think of Bryson Stott and how they've handled his move to the majors? Oh, I, I like Bryson Stott. Uh, I don't know that he's ever going to be one of the like top players in baseball. I don't know that he'll be, I don't think he's going to be a perennial all-star type player, uh, but he's certainly an everyday me, at least what I've seen so far, both in the minor leagues um, in, in the Arizona fall league and now in major league baseball, what we saw of him in spring training and what we were seeing of him in Philly for the most part, he can handle himself. Uh, confidence is not a problem. He looks like uh we had a problem here in Philly trying to put <clears throat> uh, players in the wrong position, you know, in past years. Um, Stott, they bounced him around a little bit, like depending on where they thought they needed him, you know, who else wasn't performing well. They put Stott at third, at short, at second at different times uh, in the big leagues. Uh, he, he looks like he could handle any of those positions, which, um, you know, has not been the case in the past with guys that they've tried at multiple positions. So I think that the way that the club is made up right now, the the best case scenario for the Phillies would be to have Alec Bohm at third base and Bryson Stott at shortstop for the long haul for their future. Um, Bohm, especially over the last month, has really come on as far as his play on both sides of the ball. He's hitting the ball a lot better. He's hitting the ball a lot harder. Uh, he's making a lot more contact. He's driving in runs. Uh, Alec Bohm has been, I think, what they were hoping he would be offensively over the last month. More importantly to me, defensively, while he has made some miscues and he's never going to be a gold glover, all I need from Alec Bohm is for him to be a uh, major league average third baseman and he has played at that level for the last month so i'm happy with that and if if you have stott at shortstop which he's shown to me he's capable of being a big league everyday shortstop um then i think that the phillies are going to could be set on the left side of their infield for years to come i mean we're talking about for the next half dozen years a lot of it what stott's going to be um the possibilities, I mean, there's still a possibility that they could end up sliding them over to second base in the long term because I think Segura has one more year. Maybe it's an option year. I'm not positive of his contract situation, but 
Uh, if they decide to move on from Skewer, they could play Stott at short at second. If they find another shortstop, uh, there will be some free agent opportunities there. Uh, they have a, a guy named Luis Garcia and other guys coming in their system. So, you know, if they're better defenders, maybe they could play short. Stock could slide over to second. So I guess what I'm saying about Stott is I, I, he's a big leaguer to me. And I think that he'll be able to contribute positively, whether they play him at second or short long-term. I am hoping they don't play him third long-term because that would mean something bad happened with Bohm developmentally. So uh, Stott's up in the air as far as I think like where we're going to see him play two, three years from now on a steady basis. But I think, I think he can be the everyday shortstop. I would like to see them do it sooner than later. Uh, Bat wise, we'll see, but I don't know if that really answers your question other than I think that he's a big league regular. He plays with a lot of confidence. I like him. Uh, most of the uh, people around here to watch, follow the team, watch the team like Stott. Um, we're looking forward to him being a part of the team for years to come. Just you know, how, what is his ceiling? I don't think we really know yet. All right. We got two quick ones left for you. Bryce Harper, of course, towards UCL last week and has now moved into the DH spot for the rest of the season and gone on an absolute tear. What's your outlook on that situation for the rest of the year? Uh, you know, we all saw last year, I mean, Stott's, you know, the MVP. He's a reigning M NL MVP. He's a two-time NL MVP. He's one of the best players for the decade. So, um, you know, you've seen what he's done so far. Player of the week, just last week in the National League. So, I'm braced. Harper is, you know, when healthy or even reasonably healthy, like this year, you know, with a bat in his hand, thank God for the DH in the National League, um, one of the most dangerous offensive players in the game. So uh, the injury, you know, that's a big question mark, you know, right? So I, I mean, there's no way that I can answer that question. Um, he had the, the uh, platelet injection, you know, on Sunday. So he missed Sunday's game. He missed last night's game. He was still sore was the last reports. Uh, I think it's probably 50-50 at best whether he plays today. So um, I think that what the team's hoping is that they, they were hoping they have him back today. I think, you know, now it becomes a question of they hope they have him back each day. You know, so okay. if he can't go today, you know, they hope he's back tomorrow. If not then, they hope he's back for the weekend. Uh, this isn't supposed to be from – all, everything that I've read medically, it's not supposed to be a long-term deal as far as his ability to recover from the injection. That's really just a pain management thing. So uh, hopefully he's back. You know, I'd like to see him in the lineup tonight. I know Bryce, you know, he's a, he's a crazy man, you know, so he'll want to play every game, you know, on, on half of a leg. Um, the team's not going to do that. Obviously he's too big of an investment for them. So uh, I'm hoping that Bryce is back no later than Thursday uh, for the finale against the Padres and longer term, you know, they're, they're saying uh, everything that's being written is like, you know, they're hoping that he can play the field um, maybe by the all-star break, you know, at the latest. So if he, if that's the case, if this is the kind of injury that can heal like that and he can be back in the field and there's no, no serious, you know, long that's probably the best case right now is that Bryce comes back to the lineup in the next couple of days uh, is back to being himself. And then is back to being able to play right field no later than the break. And we have him for the last few months, the, um, you know, 
the the I think the nightmare scenario is that he would need Tommy John surgery at some point, and at that point he would miss a year from whenever that is that he has the surgery. So I mean, at this point we're getting to May, you know, middle of the end of May if he had, if God forbid, you know, worst case scenario something happened and. And uh, they lost him around June. Now you're talking about losing him until the All-Star break next year. Uh, whole first half, second half of this year, the whole first half of next year. So uh, that would be the nightmare scenario. Let's hope we don't deal with the nightmare scenario. Um, I was say, because that would be a nightmare scenario, both for Phillies and Phillies fans and for baseball. Just going to yeah. have him around. And for um, my fantasy baseball team, because I got him on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Um, now, of course, this is now a 17 and 19 233 million dollar team how long do you think we already kind of talked about dombrowski but how long do you think the leash is for girardi at this point to get some results out of this group yeah the, the, if you went by the social media crowd here in philly the twitter crowd you know i'm on twitter a lot every day um there there's a large segment of it that would have gotten rid of joe already um i don't i'm not a big guy i was never i've never been a big guy of like churning managers um like i said i go i told you how far i go back with being a baseball fan um i always think about the dodgers uh a classic to me for the most part winning organization for a long time and i grew up with a dodgers team that had uh, an older walter austin as their manager and he had been the manager in la for a long time younger people don't know a lot about him google walter austin sometime and look at his record and then he was followed by um you know as we all know uh, very famous uh, dodgers manners from from around uh, these ways uh, so um you know when you have walter austin and tommy lasorda as your manager for you know the better three decades pretty much or more uh four decades maybe that, that's kind of how I am. I'm like, I was always of the thing of if I own a billion dollar organization, which is um, uh, one of the bigger baseball teams uh, is worth these days. And, and, and I'm hiring the, the man who is going to manage my club, which it's a, it's a vitally important. It's in the everyday hands-on. I'm going to turn my organization over the, the highest level of my organization over to this man on an everyday basis, being the manager. Uh, and, and I'm the, I'm the, the owner of this billion dollar organization. I'm not making that hiring lightly. And if I have in my judgment, and I'm sure I'm going to have a say in it, if I'm talking, I'm not just going to give it to Dombrowski to hire my manager. So uh, whoever my GM is, so I'm going to have some say in that important uh, hiring. Then I'm not going to can the guy after two years. You know what I'm saying? So I, I have a long leash with managers. My, my theory is I'm going to hire the guy who I think is the right guy. And I'm going to, he's going to be there for four or five, six years while we try to figure the rest, the rest of it beyond it, unless he's doing something egregious every single day. And Jordy isn't, he's, he's made some uh, mistakes, but so does every single big league manager. To, to me, it's more about uh, now it's my job as the owner to open the checkbook and, and then the GM's job as a talent evaluator and the guy who actually, you know, uh, brings in the player mix through free agency and trades and that kind of thing to, 
to fashion, you know, winning uh, the best possible team for that manager, best possible player mix for that manager to work with. So, uh, and it's, that's a long way of saying that I don't think Girardi, I, w- I don't have any problem with Girardi right now. Um, I have a longer leash than a lot of people though. There, there's a, you know, a lot of hotheads here in Philly, <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, they want to th- you know, throw snowballs at them, you know, and that kind of deal. So, um, all right. We'll so, see. I mean, they could can Girardi tomorrow, you know, if they lose again, yeah. scapegoating him. Especially with some of the uh, big losses that have had, haven't been recent uh, memory. But now could you talk, tell us a little bit before we wrap up here about Philly's Bell and what you do? Uh, that's the best place to find me. You know, people uh, ask that on other podcasts and I do have a website at Matt, um, Matt but Phillies Bell is where I do baseball stuff every single day. Uh, and it's almost all Phillies. Uh, I do history every day, uh, birthdays, uh, what happened on this date in Phillies history. Um, I'll put out the lineup almost every day. Uh, a lot of, a lot of games I'll be commenting during the game. Um, especially when key moments happen. Um, I, the, bigger or, or more interesting uh, items that happen in Major League Baseball. I'll put regular baseball stuff out there. So uh, if anybody is watching this, uh, it's I think Philly's Bell is a great feed to follow on Twitter. Uh, of course, you know, I run it. So of course, I'm going to say that, but it is. Uh, if you were looking for a nice baseball feed to add to your, you know, and then you're going to get it, you're going to get Philly stuff, but you're also going to get some MLB stuff. So uh, I know, personally, I like getting feed uh good feeds from all across baseball so uh at philly's bell uh just like you see uh, let me move my head a little bit there's a little bell that we ring out there in center field my head's right in the, in the way of it but it's out there somewhere and they've carved it actually in this center field now big liberty bell so uh, we have a big liberty bell that rings when we win a game or hit a home run out there in center field so uh, that's where the twitter name came from so philly's bell at philly's bell follow it you get some great uh, Philly stuff, some great baseball stuff, uh, multiple times during the day. That's what I do. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, be sure to check us out uh, on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at MLB Daily Pod. Be sure to check Matt out at Philly's Bell. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.